How's it going? Good, good. Young people still awake? <laughs> I'll try and keep you still awake. Do you know what? Like I just said before, I've shush you. Uh, <laughs> she said to me, if anyone was wondering what she was talking to me about loudly during the, the worship, she said, Daddy, we know I fell asleep on your shoulder in church this morning. I had a lovely dream about magical unicorns and butterflies and flowers and uh, what is it? daffodils specifically and princesses. Um, so that, that's lovely. Yeah, I'll update you with what he's sleep, uh, dreaming about later. I, I don't know. We'll find out. Anyway, hey, um, oh man, beautiful worship. I felt like there was not a huge point in me getting up here. Uh, we could just keep going and flowing and, um, you know, uh, it's just wonderful. Thanks, guys. And I just love that. Um, yeah, I just felt like we entered into the throne room, you know, um, just singing about He Reigns. And uh, I, I really had on my heart to, to speak tonight about a, an area, it's actually, it's actually an area of doctrine, so it's really intellectual, but I'm not going to go into it all. Um, so I had nine points here, but I'll just skip them all. And <laughs> um, pre- predominantly because of her, but, uh, <laughs> um, but I, I wanted to talk about the ascension. You know, like we... Um, we're, we're really solid on Jesus died, right? You all know that? That's what that cross represents over there. Um, we'd bring it front, right, and center, but it blocks the words. Um, <clears throat> so Jesus died, and he rose again, and we're solid on that. We talk about that a lot. Um, but it says, uh, it says, this is Acts 1-3. It's in the ESV. It said, uh, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering, by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And so, um, you know, like he, he appears after his resurrection again, right? So he's died, he's gone to the grave, and then they start seeing him around. He appears to a woman by the tomb. He uh, appears to his disciples. He appears to more than five, 500 people, right? And so he's teaching them his disciples, about the kingdom, about his kingdom. And so he's doing this for like 40 days. Uh, That's kind of a significant period of time. And, uh, and then he takes them to the Mount of Olives and, um, and his, his followers are there and he's speaking to them like, hey, soon you will receive my Holy Spirit. You will receive the promised one. And he's instructed them to remain in Jerusalem um, until the spirits come. And we, all talk, we know we jump automatically to Pentecost because we know that story uh, 50 days later about Pentecost, about the Holy Spirit descending with power, fire, little tongues. Uh, probably more dramatic than it sounds. Uh, in the upper room to these hungry people who are, you know, like doing just what we were doing now for a prolonged period of time. They were worshiping and hungry and pushing in and praying. And uh, it sounds sterile in scripture, but if you imagine human beings in one room crying out to the Lord, it looks messy and loud and the atmosphere would shift. And so we, we always jump to that part 
but we skip over the bit where uh, Jesus had declared that the Holy Spirit was going to come. He'd blessed them. And then right in their midst, he ascends to heaven. Right? Right in their midst. It says, um, Luke 24, 49 says, And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. So he's preaching. He's saying this to them. He's stirring their hearts like, oh, there's something else. Like we were just stoked that you rose from the dead because we thought it was over and you were a fake. And then you rose from the grave. And this is amazing. And you're here and it's 40 days. And, uh, and suddenly you're telling us there's something more to come. And so they're worshiping him there. And then it says this. Uh, it says, I'm skipping down. <laughs> it says, this is all in Acts, right? Um, that while they were gazing, oh, so that he's talking to them about these things and they're looking on and then he is lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. Like, I, I don't know, I've read that so many times and just skipped over it really fast. Like, and I've just, I've just, pulled together I've collapsed the the resurrection and ascension kind of into one on and and I haven't actually acknowledged the fact you know that the ascension is on equal footing to the crucifixion and the resurrection that a man God became man incarnate and a man was walking around flesh and blood with the Holy Spirit inside him and he ascends he goes up in the air while they're watching him, and they're watching a man be raised up into the sky and lifted up into heaven, and a cloud covers. And I'm like, that's, that's phenomenal. Why do we skip that part? And what does that even mean? What's the significance of that? But it's plain as day in Scripture, that literally bodily return of Jesus to heaven. So, let's dive into that, eh? I think that's really significant. Does anyone think that's significant? Has anyone thought about this? It's got to be, right? It's in there, and it's in there multiple times in the Gospels, in Acts. Luke talks about it a lot. Uh, and then there's a ton of scriptures that actually just refer to the ascension, like, yeah, it's a fact. We know it happened. Um, they're not trying to cover over it. You know, like, it, to me, it's like, uh, we've got to explain why Jesus is no longer here. Because he, we, we, he's resurrected. There's lots of proof for that. It's a historical fact. And then he disappears. And so we've got to say something about that. Uh, you know, but in actual fact, no, it was really significant. It had meaning that I believe is super relevant to us today and relevant for this series that we're looking at kingdom life, relevant to our lives today. So what does it mean? Uh, <clears throat> obviously it signaled the end of his earthly ministry, right? So he'd been here on earth, and this was the end of that chapter. So therefore, there's another chapter. You know, like he's raised up into heaven. And that period of being one man walking around on the earth is over. Um, so his earthly work is finished. And he declared that at the cross. But this is, this is, this is the, the most obvious point where it's like, okay, he's not, he's not been back since, right? Has anyone seen him back since in physical form? No, just let me know. 
Um, so it demonstrates that his earthly work that was necessary for our salvation is finished. It's, it's, he's drawn that to a close. Um, so that whole rescue mission of Christ to come and to redeem us has been accomplished and therefore nothing else needs to be done. So nothing more from Jesus needs to make us sons and daughters of God. Like that was it. That it was accomplished. It was finished in totality. So practically speaking, the ascension reminds us that there's nothing left for Christ to accomplish for our salvation. Right? There's nothing for us. We're not able to earn anything extra. Salvation is complete. That's the finished work, the ascension of Christ. There's nothing else. We can't subtract from God's plan after that. We can't add to it. We can't do anything extra based on our performance or our doing good stuff. Um, to add to it, it's just complete. So I, I just believe this is really good news, especially for our performance-based culture that says we've got to earn something, we've got to do more, we've got to be like this, we've got to change, we've got to actively, uh, I don't know, like it's on us. Actually, this says that Christ completed it all. It was finished, and therefore he ascended. Okay, um, this is the third one. Uh, <laughs> it, it marked his return to glory, right? So Jesus had been in glory with the Father. He came to earth. He lived on earth 33 years. He, he died. He rose again another 40 days, and then he ascended into glory to sit at the right hand of the Father. Um, there was that one moment was the transfiguration where he was glorified. But other than that, this is like, this is like the most obvious thing to all those viewing, watching him ascend into glory. Like, yes, they'd seen, the, you know, they'd seen blind eyes. They'd seen people delivered of demons. They'd, but this was like only the Messiah could do this, right? Like, has anyone seen anyone fly up into the sky before? No? What's wrong with you guys? <clears throat> okay, so this is all, um, if you go back through Scripture, there are countless examples of where this is actually talked about in advance. So Daniel 7, Daniel has this vision of, uh, I'll read it to you. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven there came one like the Son of Man, and he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, uh, and and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. So. Daniel's talking about possibly multiple things. Maybe he's talking about second coming as well, but he's talking about the ascension where Christ comes up <laughs> into the sky, is met by the ancient of days, by Father God, and is crowned as king, glorious. Like this is the, this is the moment where Jesus is crowned king, where, uh, where it, it is for everybody viewing and for us who have scripture, we know that Jesus is crowned king. Um, Daniel goes on. I Honestly, read Daniel. It's amazing. It's weird. 
<laughs> Some of the stuff he sees is really unusual, but it's phenomenal. Um, so, <clears throat> the ascended Jesus is the reigning Jesus, right? He walked around demonstrating what it was like to be a man with the Holy Spirit living with the active you know, word of the Father, listening to, I do only what the Father does. I see, I, you know, I, I listen to what he hears and, he, and, I, and I declare it and I make it happen on earth. I pronounce it, but it's through the power of Holy Spirit. You know, when he's ascended into glory, he is now, his divinity, which he, you know, his divine acts, his power, which he placed here and he acted as a man in relation to Holy Spirit, he picks up his divinity again. You know, not that it ever left him, but uh, but <laughs> the sense that he he had chosen to submit that to the Father and operate as a man in relation to, to the Holy Spirit, and so we see Jesus is now the reigning Christ, King, Lord, and of all the meanings, I think this is the most preeminent one that Jesus has gone up to the right hand of the Father and is now exalted. He reigns, right? Jesus is Lord and there is no other. There will never, ever be another. He is, he is king forever. That's been established. <clears throat> this, is, this is probably one of the earliest Christian confessions. Like they then went around, the disciples, the apostles, went around declaring the gospel and they talked about his death, his resurrection and his ascension into kingship. And they did this, they did this even in the face of the Roman Empire, right? So while the boots of the soldiers of the most powerful army in the world were still resounding in the streets uh, of occupied Jerusalem, these men are going around and women going around, undereducated, fishermen type, and they are declaring that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah, King, Christ. So the, the man Jesus of Nazareth has been taken into heaven in glory, and he's now exalted. And this is, uh, in a sense, this is a continuation of his incarnation, <clears throat> right? In the person, he was son of man, son of God. He rose up as a man. And it says, it said in Daniel, um, but also says elsewhere that he will return in like kind. He will come back in the same way. Mount of Olives, Jerusalem. He will come back in the same way that he went up. And so we're expecting the incarnate Jesus to come and return. Scars and all. Scars and all. Like, <clears throat> you know, when we, when we have our resurrected bodies, which probably resemble us, but look different, right? I don't know what they're going to be. Spiritual bodies. Uh, Jesus, will he be the only one who still bears scars for eternity? The scars that he received by his own creation, by humanity, by us, for our sins. Will he still resemble those scars? It says, um, there's a sim, that, uh, sorry, there's this hymn. It says, Man with God 
is on the throne. <clears throat> and, and the ascension, like, it climaxes in enthronement, right? Jesus, he's, he's the triumphant word made flesh right here. And he takes his place at the right-hand seat of the Father. Um, the only time he's, he's seated because his work is finished. It's complete. There's only one time you see in Scripture where he's standing in the throne room, and that's when Stephen's been stoned. And he says, I see him standing at the right hand of the Father. Um, and I, just, I think he just stood up because he was like, that's my boy. That guy's amazing. And he just wanted to honor him. <laughs> but he's seated at the right hand of the Father because his work is complete. And, uh, you know, like... Um, It says that, that the son must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. In, in, the, in, the, in the economy of God, the son will defeat the last enemy and then hand over the kingdom to God the Father so that God may be all in all. And if you, if you think about that, Jesus left. He's, he's in heaven right now. And when, as Christians, we talk about, hey, let, invite Jesus into your heart. Well, Jesus' physical man is still in heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father. And so we're, what we're actually saying is give him the seat of the throne on your heart. Make him king. Make him Lord. Submit your life to him. Your will, your emotions, your... Your thoughts, submit yourself to him. Surrender to his lordship. And then the Holy Spirit, who divinely comes and lives on the inside of you, you follow him. You follow his unctioning. You listen to his words. You, uh, you listen to the scripture. And when it ignites you, 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 you obey. And so we're to live out our lives empowered and activated by the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus is actually still on the throne until he returns in glory. And it's actually the, it is the hope of the church that he will, that we're, we're awaiting a second coming. That he will return in glory and there'll be no more tears. It, things will be new. There will be shalom again. There'll be a restoration of Eden. There will be, uh, a, a restoration of his original creative intent for humanity, for our creation and for earth even. A new heaven and a new earth. And so what, is it, what, is it, what are we doing in between now and in between the ascension and in between his second coming? What are we doing? Like what's our purpose? What's he doing? What's he up to? Like ultimately, he said, I'm going to use this thing. I'm going to create this thing. This is what happened after, after, this is Acts, right? After he ascended, he goes, this is, this is now my church. You're taking my place on earth. You're taking my physical, you are the physical representation of my body on earth. And so as the church, it's now our responsibility to continue his work as his sons and daughters to represent Christ, to represent Christ to the world. That we would walk out as the hands and feet of Jesus to do as he did, 
to obey as he obeyed, to surrender as he surrendered, to take up our cross, to follow him, and to live as representation of Jesus on earth. Like he was still here to do what he did, as he did. Holy Spirit in us, leading and guiding us. But I think because, because Jesus, he keeps his humanity in that sense. Like he remains the one who knows what it's like as a human to live on earth. Like what it's like to be tempted. He remains that one. He remains the one who knows what it's like to suffer, to have suffered. In my opinion, he's still suffering in the sense that, <clears throat> well, he's in a physical body. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I, I just can you believe that that the divine God would put himself inside the creation that he created and would, you know, like he would love us that much that he would he would see it through, <laughs> you know, that he's still seeing it through. I just it speaks of how much he knows what we're going through. I think I, had a, I think I was 22 when I had this revelation of the incarnation that Jesus actually became a person, that God became man. And it just rocked my world. I, I actually got it engraved in my wife's, the incarnation initials, I had to try and engraved on my wife's engagement ring. <laughs> because I wanted to remember that for a lifetime. You know, the revelation of like, Wow, this God became one of us for our sakes. And so he wholeheartedly knows what we go through in life. And yet in his life, he overcame the world. He overcame the enemy. He overcame sin and death. And, and in him ascending, we can too. Experientially, um, I think there's a there's a there's a um, there's a good distinction to be made between our union with Christ and our communion with Him. And uh, there's a theologian, um, 17th century. His name was John Owen. Has anyone heard of him? John Owen. He's written some amazing stuff. But he talks about our union with Christ was established first in Christ's union with us, as we said. He took on our humanity and joined himself to us. And our union with Christ also includes the way in which the Holy Spirit joins us to Christ. And so it's like we are united through Holy Spirit being in us. There's this silver cord that joins us to Jesus in the throne room. And we have access before the throne of grace. It's an umbilical cord that connects us to Jesus. And it includes uh, all of us. <laughs> That Christ's union with our humanity causes him to extend to all humans the, the, the redemption and the love of Christ. I, I think um, we, you know, our union is locked in. You can't, you can't change it. It's untouchable. It's unshakable. It's unbreakable. But um, how we live our lives, what we do do, 
can affect our communion with Him. So there's this distinction between our union with Him and our communion with Him. So it's all done, it's all complete, it's all finished. And Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, and we are in Him. We are heirs with Him. Actually, His inheritance is now our inheritance. And yet, uh, my communion with Him is affected. Like if I wander off this road down into the far country, um, knowingly and willingly, I can close myself off from relationship with the Father. And I can get real miserable if I want to. (laughs) I don't want to. But when I neglect to converse with him, like to immerse myself in him, in his word, to, to fellowship with one another, to stay sharp, um, I, I do get lonely and I do get miserable. But he, he's so loving in the way he draws us back in. There was this time, I think there was this time in my life, it was probably six months to nine months. Uh, I'd been through this um, just heartache. Just I've been through. A, I went through a lot of heartache. I was really broken. I was hurting, <laughs> and I cut myself off from everybody. Um, didn't really talk to anybody. I went to work. I came back. I went to work. I came back, and that whole time, I I played one CD, <laughs> "Surrender" by <laughs> Vineyard, <laughs> old school. Uh, had a a nail on the front of the crucifixion. And, um, and I spent that whole time just reading my word, just reading the Bible. I would come home from work and I'd lie in my bed and I'd read my Amplified Bible and I'd listen to this CD. And I just did that for like six to nine months. And I, um, I found this place in him, this, this communion with him that I really never wanted to leave after that. It actually, it actually was a challenge to then go, okay, um, be normal. <laughs> you know, like, um, there was this point after about six months, um, I had an in- ankle injury. I, has anyone ever torn the ligaments in their ankle? Yeah, sometimes when you do that once, you do it twice. It happens again five times, six times. <laughs> and I was... Uh, I was just I was lying in my bed, and I had this encounter with. Um, yeah, this is when I first grasped the, this this the throne room. Like Jesus is on the throne. I saw Jesus on the throne, all right. And it was just in my mind's eye. I saw Jesus on the throne. I've been reading scripture. And it was in my mind's eye. I saw Jesus on the throne, and then <clears throat> I'm lying there in my bed. I've, I've never shared this before, but um, I'm lying there in my bed, and I open my eyes. And there's three, sorry, there's four um, beings in my room. And they're too, they're too big to be in my room, right? Um, but they're in my room. It's like they go through the roof, but the roof doesn't matter. And uh, one had the head of a man, one had the head of a lion, one had the head of an eagle, and one had the head of an ox. And... I was kind of paralyzed. I just remember not being afraid, but just I was stunned. Yeah, <laughs> it was good, like a stunned mullet. And I'm frozen in my bed. And I, I know that they're angels, but I have no idea why they look 
different. <laughs> I have no idea why they look like that. It was about six months later, I shared it with somebody and they showed me it in scripture and I was like, oh, thank God, I'm not a whack. <laughs> no, you know. Um, but the Holy Spirit came into my room in the form of like a blue orb ball, right? <laughs> and he he came into my room and I knew I just knew it was Holy Spirit. You can uh, like maybe he, I mean he could have come as a person and dressed like the Holy Spirit should dress, whatever that is, and have a sign on his head that says, I'm Holy Spirit. But he just came into my room, and it was a blue ball. But it was, like, warm and peaceful and loving, and it was just like fire. And it came into my room, and I knew it was Holy Spirit. You didn't have to tell me. And Holy Spirit came in one leg, went through my body, like I felt him going through every fiber, every cell, and went out the other leg and then left. And I had no idea what it meant. But in the process, my ankle was completely healed. And I had this wart on my hand on this finger, which was like the size of a five-cent piece, if you ever remember them. Uh, And it had been there for like a decade, right? Like I had taken my pocket knife and cut it out a number of times. I had had it um, dry ice frozen off, (laughs) and it just kept coming back. To this day, it's never come back. And it was in that moment that I realized, hey, Holy Spirit is the extension of this Jesus on the throne, and he is here to be my come alongside friend. (laughs) My comfort, that six months, was so comforting to me. And I know that he's never left me, you know. And I share that, that, that encounter because it illustrated to me the ascended Christ on the throne, whom we're whom we're longing to see return. And yet he's gifted us with Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit is everything that we need. He's comfort. He's power. He's healing. He's he's strength. He's to be worshipped. He's part of the Godhead. And the ascension to me speaks of everything that Christ has already accomplished is now available to us through his Spirit on earth and so I I just want to why don't we stand up (laughs) I mean life life gets hard right has anyone been hit with challenges ever only some of you raise your hand I don't believe you (laughs) Um, I I get hit with challenges quite regularly Um, hey Gigi (laughs) no Uh, (laughs) She's, she's zoning out. Um, life is challenging, you know. Life is challenging, but we're not, we're not doing it alone, and we're not doing it with, you know, like the power source of Holy Spirit is more than enough to transform this world, you know. Jesus didn't go to, and ascend to heaven without leaving us with what we needed. In fact, in, you, you look at Ephesians and... Uh, First Corinthians, where's the other scripture? He talks about the gifts and the offices. Ephesians 4 and 1 Corinthians. Yeah. Both of them mention the ascension in connection with that. I don't know why. Well, I do know why. They mention the ascension in connection with that because he had to go that we would receive. And it's actually 
Jesus on the throne that gives us gifts through Holy Spirit. So we've just been a weekend, um, Friday, Saturday, on this uh, whack course, warrior activation course. And what, I, what I've loved about it is um, just the simplicity and the down-to-earthness of it. There's no, um, no offense, there's no, there's no keyboard in the background making the atmosphere nice. Uh, there's no, like, electrics. There's no, um, you know, like, it really reminds me of early church. These dirty disciples with their grubby feet wandering around, probably smelly, probably not that appealing, and just going to the people in need and going, hey, uh, we've received the Holy Spirit. <laughs> we've given our lives to this Christ who ascended and is seated on the throne and we've received the Holy Spirit. Do you want him to? <laughs> Just real simple, real basic. So I just feel like um, tonight he'd like to do something in the area of activation and um, Gideon mentioned about getting some of these guys up to pray who had been on the course. Um but I think too, like our young people, our youth have been away on a camp and they're all fired up, exhausted, but fired up. <clears throat> so, um, you know, I want a dose from them. Yeah. Who doesn't want something fresh, right? <laughs> and, uh, and so I, I just think that tonight we need to do something in the area of activating our faith. Because we have all things in Christ. Like it's, it's already finished. He's already completed the work of salvation and he's giving us his Holy Spirit. We have everything we need. What are we waiting for? So I believe tonight he would like us to take a step of faith. And that often looks like an action where we step out and we go, I receive what you have for me, God. So Holy Spirit, we just invite you to have your way tonight. Uh, we want to encounter you afresh. We know that you were given as Jesus ascended, that you gave Holy Spirit to us, that we may experience your presence still here on earth and your power. And we so long to see you move in our lives and change our circumstances, change our character, change the stuff that we're going through, but also change our community, change the ones we love, change our city, change our nation. We want to see you do miracles and signs and wonders and, and beautiful things in our midst. We want to see your love expressed through your body. And so we invite you to encounter us tonight, Lord God, that we would be activated to to go out there and be Jesus to our world. <clears throat>